Uh, hey, everyone, it's Russ, and welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Today, excited to bring you uh, the second installment of what we're casually referring to as the Caregiver Series. Um, if you joined us for the uh, for episode one, I was joined by my friend Lisa Kaufman, who's here with us again today. Uh, and today, uh, Lisa and I are excited to be joined by Laura Jalbert, uh, who uh, brings her own experience and unique perspective to this conversation. So welcome, Laura. Thank you for having me. Yeah, why don't, uh, since uh, some folks are hearing this for the first time and meeting you for the first time, why don't you take just a moment and tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do? Sure. So my name is Laura Jalbert. I am a licensed clinical social worker, um, also certified in integrated mental health, um, which means holistic, uh, holistic work in the mental health field. Um, my practice is called Mindful Transitions, and we work with older adults in their homes and in assisted living communities all around the metro Atlanta um, and provide talk therapy on site for them because we know transportation is a challenge. Um, And so also getting into that home environment helps us see a lot more than you would see in an office setting. So that's what we do. Um, And and certainly the mental health perspective on older adults is is very unique um, because there aren't a lot of folks who do what we do. So Well, and and I'm glad you're here because I think uh, in addition to Lisa, I think you guys each bring a really unique perspective to this discussion and the overall topic of, you know, um, assuming or uh, being handed the role of caregiver, whether that's for a a spouse or an aging parent or another uh, loved one, family or friend. So um, today uh, in this kind of episode of this series, we really wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper into the emotional aspects of caregiving. Um, and, and kind of carrying over from our first episode, we're going to, I think, kind of focus on uh, spousal caregiving, although everything we're, we're going to talk about could, could just as easily apply if you're caring for um, an aging parent or another friend, family, or, or loved one. Um, but to kick things off, Laura, why don't you start, and Lisa invites you to jump in too. What are the, what would you say are the biggest emotional challenges facing someone that is in a caregiver role? Um, you know, I would say there, there are a lot of conflicting emotional challenges. Um, I think that there is sometimes um, just like a general emotional overwhelm, which includes a lot of different emotions, um, but being thrust into a role perhaps that isn't your isn't your natural skill set is one of them. Um, you know, there are lots of people who are not natural born caregivers, but are um, required to become them. Um, and certainly in the realm of, of spou- being a spousal caregiver, um, you know, there are just some people who are not natural nurturers. And so with that comes the the guilt and the all of those things. But I think there's like, there's emotional overwhelm for sure with all of the different complexities. Um, I think there's sadness. I think there's grief. Um, I think there's some loss that's related to the way the relationship used to be, um, the way it's always been. Um, I think there are some really complicated um, partnership dynamics that come out um, in spousal caregiving. So it's, it's, there's a, it's, it's a, full of landmines, <laughs> full of emotional landmines in this spousal caregiving space, for sure. Um, Lisa, do you would add? I would add anger. Mm, yeah. And denial. 
I don't know if denial qualifies as a feeling, but kind of. Um, but there's a big piece to that, I think. And especially, I think it, it rears its ugly head with, with a, a spousal or significant other partnership relationship. And I would imagine... I'll defer to you guys. I would imagine that, and I don't want to get too far off onto a tangent here, but uh, since we're kind of focusing around the spousal caregiving uh, mm-hmm. dynamic, I would imagine if it's like a a child parent, um, if it's a child caring for an aging parent, that could introduce a whole different dynamic as it relates to emotions and um, kind of history and things like that. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, yes. And if there are multiple siblings, even more so, because then there's the, you know, the sibling dynamics as well. Um, There's, you know, everyone is in agreement or everyone is not in agreement. Um, You know, there's always at least one sibling that's not in agreement many times. Um, They always live in California. We're in Georgia for those, you know, whatever. Yeah, they're across the country. I was going to say, there's always somebody far away who has the best ideas that everyone here is not doing what they need to do. Um, But yeah, I mean, then, you know, then that childhood stuff comes back of mom liked you better and, um, and then parenting your parent. And I mean, the (sighs) dynamics again are just endless and every situation it can be you know, kind of fraught with these dynamics and you, you just don't know where they'll pop up. So I think, you know, the previous question about, you know, which emotions, I think it varies from day to day and situation to situation, because all of this stuff pops up Mm -hmm. just in any given situation. So I know there's no simple answer to this, but um, Lisa, why don't you, why don't you share based on your experience, what's the best way for a caregiver to cope to um, acknowledge to deal with these emotions um, recognizing the fact as Lord has pointed out that they're going to change and ebb and flow from day to day if, if not moment to moment that's a loaded question Ross thanks <laughs> um, you're very welcome <laughs> I think uh, gosh how to answer that I think there's a couple things you want your own support as the caregiver. To think that you don't need your own help and your own team is a mistake or a missed opportunity. Um, You need to build up, and this goes for any stressful situation, you want to make sure that you have your support team in place to help you make decisions, be guidance, uh, support you, offer insights, um, you know, have your own counselor, have your own friends night out or whatever, and that it takes a team approach to care for somebody who's another adult whose cognition is no longer working properly. It's not a one-on-one situation where you can do it um, successfully 24-7. It's exhausting. And give us an example. I I know we touched on this a little bit last time, but um, Mm -hmm. give us a little example of who those team members might be. Uh, who, who that who that support system could could be comprised of? Okay, and I I hope this doesn't come across as self serving, but you know, depending on if if the patient in the couple lives at home still, which initially is probably what the case is, is daycare appropriate so that 
the caregiver has time to themselves. They can drop them off for adult daycare where they can be safe, fed, medicated, cleaned if necessary, um, and engaged in meaningful, purposeful activity um, during part of the day, maybe a couple of days a week, so that they can go to the grocery store and not have to hang on to what is this? Where did he go? And he's gone. And now I'm stressed out and he's in the parking lot wandering around or to go get your hair and your nails done or for guys to get a beer with your friend, whatever it might be that you do to kind of take care of usual business, but also to take care of yourself. So there's caregivers hiring, um, agency caregivers. I know you can hire privately, but that's a whole different discussion that I don't want to get into right now, but the caregivers are part of the team. A care manager can be part of the team to help you make decisions, find the resources and having a counselor, uh, a mental health professional, both for that individual, if they are still cogent enough to benefit from therapy, but certainly for you as the care provider, a lot of emotions and feelings are going to come up and you you're going to need help processing that. It's hard to do that on your own and get out of your own head. Yeah. Thank you for that. Laura, anything you would add to Lisa's comments? Um, You know, I think I would add um, like support groups, um, support groups, peer support groups. If you can find spousal support groups um, or support groups that are perhaps um, geared towards the illness or diagnosis with which you are dealing. Um, You know, sometimes families will tell me, you know, we tried a support group and it was depressing, so we didn't want to go back. But I think there is so much value in knowing what's ahead, knowing that you are in a space. I mean, now we're all virtual, but knowing you're in an emotional space where people get it. Um, other people have lived it other people's um, you know in the example of like dementia or or cognitive impairment other people's spouses do embarrassing things in public and what does that feel like Mm -hmm. to be able to commune with um, you know some peers that you didn't know you had Um, and so while you know learning what could happen or or seeing you know the future can be frightening it also can be very um, uplifting to know I'm not alone other people are surviving. Other people may even be thriving um, through their caregiving. Um, and it's, I think it's important to see all facets of that um, in, a, in a caregiver support group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other way I would say to, you know, for someone to be able to process their emotions is to do a lot of, um, I mean, I certainly I'm biased and I'm going to say you need a therapist, but um, I also think if you you know, if you feel like you're not ready for that, or it's too much, it's one more thing. One thing that you could do on your own is focus on gratitude. Um, And you could focus on the gratitude of the moments that are pleasant, the moments that you have, um, and the experience and there will be times of joy, um, care, caregiving in hard moments. Um, and you, and you can experience them, but even more importantly, acknowledging them and saying them out loud, um, can sort of take away some of the sting of the moments that are not so pleasant and do not need, you know, hours of focus because they were unpleasant. Um, so I think those are some things that you can do at home, but I'm always going to recommend support 
just more support because people always are feeling like they they can't do one more thing or they're sort of in a vacuum mm-hmm. and and neither of those things are are ideal for you know kind of the long haul of caregiving a couple of things so, so thank you both for that a couple of things come to mind i mean for for those listening or watching we're recording this the week of thanksgiving so i think uh, i think laura's idea of gratitude is particularly <laughs> time, particularly timeful or, or timely i should say um, and the other thing that comes to mind hearing you both talk about support, whether that's professional support or community or peer group support is, I would imagine most people going through a caregiving uh, experience like this, uh, they don't know what they don't know. And so I think talking to or being around others would help. I don't want to say normalize because that's probably not the right term, but just give you a, a, a better perspective outside of your, you know, your immediate situation just lets you know that, hey, there's other people that are dealing with coping with some of these same challenges. They might have suggestions or, or ways to to deal with or to uh, process some of these different emotions and feelings and things like that. So uh, I think I think in this instance, more is better when it comes to support people uh, building a team. Um, and just it's, a, your, it's a learning curve. Yeah. And, and the more information I'm not to overload yourself, but there is information. I don't recommend Googling to your heart's content because it's misleading and one-sided. I think it needs to be a conversation rather than just straight up research. Um, But there, there's a lot of really great resources out there. The, um, Georgia chapter for the Alzheimer's Association has caregiver groups where they train people how to be good caregivers and how to communicate with somebody who has cognitive deficits. I mean, there's a lot of very specialized training out there that's not, and these things are free, um, not terribly time consuming, and it helps people be better armed to tackle the caregiver burden that is, is coming their way. Well, and I think to your point earlier, something something that's really important is as you seek that support and as you do something like a support group or, um, you know, you engage with peers, I think that it forces you ever so gently, sometimes, sometimes a little um, more forcefully out of denial. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can be scary and, you know, fraught with the need for more emotional support. But yeah, then we see, then we tend to see people like Google and obsessively Google. And I don't know that that is ideal for, you know, these unique situations that someone may find themselves in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's where, you know, kind of the, the support group and then the, the support of professionals I mean, this, this is what we do. We've seen Parkinson's before, or this is what we do. We've seen cognitive impairment before. Um, and so we, we have a better sense of, you know, which pieces of the puzzle apply to you and what's helpful. And, and frankly, we can assess what, what skills do you need? Do you need the, you know, the communication patterns and, and styles, or do you need education on the illness itself? Do you need all of those things? So um, there are a lot of resources out there, but, but absolutely, you know, just sitting and Googling is going to take you probably down all kinds of paths that are not a great use of your time. Yeah. Yeah. I want to interject one thing about denial. Um, One of the things that my team and I have worked on several years ago, kind of focusing for that year 
was really how to how to deal with and support caregivers, um, non-professional family caregivers in denial. And it's really about grief. So this is where having a therapist and being able to tag team with other folks on your caregiving support team to help you look at the grief because people don't want to, it's painful. Um, But being clinicians, that's something that we're skilled to do to help you dabble in your grief a little bit and be supported in that because it does help break through the denial. And it's important because you're missing the boat and um, things aren't going to happen the way you want them to if you keep burying your head in the sand. Well, and sometimes we see families inadvertently create dangerous situations for their loved ones with the denial. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it is really like important. Driving, for example. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's it. But that's a really good one because I think, you know, there's so, you know, there's the question of, well, you know, how do we do this? And we don't want to do this. And this is going to be, you know, devastating. And meanwhile, it's also dangerous. Um, and you know, all of the, the many pieces that come with that. So I think, I think it really is important to have that team, you know, where ideas can bounce around, because if you hear it from three people on the team, like maybe this is something we need to address at some point, hopefully it sinks in, hopefully, you know, water over a rock a little bit, you, (laughs) you know, it starts to go, Oh yeah, we really do need to look at this. Um, because yeah. Uh, denial can be um, dangerous. Well, the repetition is important. It's just how human brains work that, especially if you are under high stress and as a caregiver, you are, um, your brain is not functioning ideally. I'll just put it that way. Um, the higher the stress, the less your, your frontal lobe is really working. Your executive functioning skills are impaired. So, when several people, you're going to take in information a little bit at a time. If several people come to you with a similar suggestion or the same suggestion, one person saying it to you might just not hear it. And then having more people come to you with similar support ideas, maybe one of them is going to hit home and you'll be able to make progress. Absolutely. And yeah, I think, go ahead, Laura. I was just going to say, and I think too, um, you know, by having a variety of, of ideas in your corner, I think that, you know, certainly together, usually a team can come up with a strategy that doesn't feel quite as uncomfortable to begin implementing too. Um, I mean, sometimes if it's, it's your only idea or you and one other person, you know, trying to figure out how to get dad to stop driving, it, it feels very, um, it feels very anxiety provoking, but when you, you know, there's a team of four and we're all on board and we're all looking at the same issue and we're suggesting things that you can say, and we're suggesting, you know, strategies that you can try and we're suggesting other resources. And now the problem doesn't look so overwhelming because you have solutions um, coming, you know, kind of that touch all the issues. Yeah, I some a couple of ideas that came to mind hearing both of you describe uh, describe that process and the support needed um, and the opportunity for support is um, the first one is objectivity. I think there's a lot of relief and maybe even uh, maybe even empowerment when you can point to someone else and say that you know um, 
in this case, Laura said, or Lisa said, um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of um, have a united front as opposed to a son or a daughter or a spouse saying, here's what I think. And it, it comes across as more personal, even though it's mm-hmm. not intended that way. The other, the other idea or concept that comes to mind is this idea of a compassionate guide. Um, so instead of drinking from the fire hose of Google or WebMD, um, having someone like, uh, like one of you to, um, you know, put your arm around them and say, you know, given your situation, here's what we need to focus first. Here's what we need to focus next, kind of giving them a path as opposed mm-hmm. to saying like, here's a ton of information, good luck figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all, all great points. Um, we're, we're kind of coming up on our time for this segment. Um, and as you both know, we could probably talk for talk another for hour days. or two without, <laughs> without catching our breath, but, um, one other question. So, um, from my amateur perspective, I assume a lot of people like to think that caregiving is kind of this linear process. Like, okay, I I deal with the emotions. I get my arms around it and then things are going to be fine. But I imagine there's different stages of, um, you know, need or decline, whether it's cognitive or even physical, where, where maybe you, you kind of come to terms, you, you have your support team and things feel given the situation feel pretty stable and good. And then maybe things change with the patient or with your spouse or with your aging parent. And that can basically turn things upside down again. So I guess my question to you guys as we kind of wrap up this segment is, is is kind of this just the new normal or is this just the first stage of what could be an evolving situation that could last for a for a significant period of time? You want to go, Lisa, or you want me yeah, to go? Yeah, I'm happy to go. Um, okay. One of the things that I tell people quite a bit is that aging is progressive. Um, you don't just stop at, at, a, at a point. All, all disease processes have a trajectory. Um, aging, our bodies are not meant to last forever. So things are going to stop working. So yes, you may reach a plateau and things become stable and you're like, okay, I've got this. And then something changes. So that's part of why having a team, when everything's stable, that's a great place to be in gratitude, to um, enjoy the things because you've kind of figured it out. Um, I guess if you think about the the bell curve of life and infants and whatever, new parents who've never had a baby before do not know what they're doing. Things are not working. You're not sleeping, but then you kind of get the handle on it. And you're like, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. And then they start walking and it, it's a game changer. Well, on the other side of this, as people are declining and family steps into caregiving roles, you at first may be completely overwhelmed and you don't know what you're supposed to do. And then you kind of get your sea legs, you, you figure it out and, and have routines and patterns that are effective And then something changes. It could be an illness. It could be an injury, a move, any transition um, really takes a a chunk out of the cognitive functioning of an an individual if they have impairment. But um, just as, as we age, things change and then you have to adapt and people who are healthy and have good support can adapt. Laura, what do you want to say? I was going to say, I think I would really, you know, key in on the fact that absolutely everything is going to keep changing and that the greatest coping strategy for that is somehow getting 
the ability to roll with the changes and sort of be, be in the moment with your person um, so that you can function through the changes. I mean, it's so helpful to have that support system as well, but also just not having the expectation that everything is going to be the same all the time, because we don't know when the next, you know, decline and new plateau will be um, physically or cognitively for people. So I think, you know, to your point, Russ, about the, you know, is this like a new normal or I, I think that you have to get used to everything changing all the time, Yeah, which is not a comfortable place for a lot of folks. And I mean, you know, me included, but certainly um, the greatest chance of rolling with it um, and being being functional and being as emotionally um, available as you can um, comes from just taking the moment as it comes instead of as you planned it to be. Yeah, Releasing yeah. some expectations, yeah, yeah. which is so hard to do. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially if you're not a natural caregiver, because you just feel like you got it and then something changes. So yeah, it's, it's really working with those expectations and just kind of seeing what you actually have to work with today in control. You don't have control over this process. And, and there's a lot of frustration comes when the control is the expectation about control is not met. It's very frustrating. And then a lot of those various emotions start to rear their heads. Yeah. I I mean, I I guess if I had to wrap up our conversation today, I would say that um, people don't like change, but caregiving is all about change. Um, And it's something that um, is best tackled with um, support from a team of professionals and, or maybe peers through support groups and things like that. So um, thank you both so much for joining me. This is such a, again, um, we went a little bit longer today than I think we had planned to, but, um, but I'm so glad that you both, you know, were willing to jump on here and contribute to the conversation before we uh, wrap it up today. uh, Laura, Lisa, uh, any final comments? No, I just appreciate you creating this forum. I think that, you know, it's so important for people to find um, information in whatever format they need. And this, this could be um, a great way for people to hear what they need to hear. So I'm just grateful for you for creating this space. So thank you. And thanks for having me on. Glad you could join us. The only thing that I'm thinking is try not to lose your sense of humor either, because sometimes some really wacky stuff happens. Not that you can laugh about it in the moment, because that's not always appropriate. Sometimes it is but maybe later it helps relieve some of the stress. So keeping, keeping your sense of humor can be a good thing. Yeah. Well, thank you both. I I think that's a great place to wrap it up for now. So, uh, and everyone listening or watching, uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Russ. This has been another episode of women's retirement radio, and we will look forward to catching you on the next episode. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. 
The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of wealth care capital management.